I'm Christian Ramirez, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the, well, we've got some news for you. As you hopefully know, Minnesota United matches are all broadcast on the radio through our partner 1500 ESPN. And through that partnership, we're going to be expanding on our audio offerings from the club. This podcast is moving to 1500's platform to become part of the new Sound of the Loons channel. Functionally, nothing is changing about the podcast for good or bad. Uh, it's still it's still going to be the same. It's still going to be in the same place. You don't have to change your subscription. Uh, wherever you get your podcasts, you'll see it's, it's still there. It's going to be called The Sound of the Loons. The logo will change. Uh, so this is going to be The Sound of the Loons podcast, plus we'll be bringing you lots of other exclusive audio from training interviews with Adrian Heath and players to longer interviews with players or other people at MNUFC, to maybe even some audio documentaries. There's a lot of possibilities. We've got some uh, cool things planned, uh, and we're going to be planning some more fun stuff going forward. All kinds of behind-the-scenes audio content. Uh, the other news is we've fired Cal, so get your <laughs> stuff and get out. Um, Cal, once again, how are you doing? I'm, I'm fabulous, Steve. I'm uh, enjoying a little bit of coffee this morning, um, as we tend to do on a Monday. And, uh, yeah, all good. Enjoying the, the rather dreary weather at the moment. It's, um, it's very, very English uh, right now, so I feel very much at home. No problem at all. I appreciate the English-ish English-ish? Can sure, I say that? Sure, okay. Yeah. <laughs> English-ish weather. I did not when I was growing up. Uh, I, I, when I was a kid, I liked it to either be snowy and picturesque. I grew mm-hmm. up in, in Massachusetts or warm and beautiful in the summer. This sort of in-between thing was kind of gray. I did not like. But now I've learned to love the sort of gray, cooler weather, the uh, put on a sweater, stand outside on your deck, yep. enjoy enjoy a cup of coffee in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um Unfortunately, I don't get to do that as much as I'd like to because I have two children uh, and they wake me up very, very early in the morning. Um, It's hilarious. Quick uh, child aside, um, if you have a small child in your life, Mm. uh, I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old. The six-year-old, you cannot get her out of bed on weekdays. She is like a teenager. It's, you know, she has an alarm, which she immediately shuts off and then never gets up. I have to come and get her out of bed with a spatula, right? Probably about 6.30, I finally get her out of bed. On the weekends, she came into our room at 5.40 in the morning. And she's like, can I I use the iPad? (laughs) And I'm like, why? where is this during the week? Like, like the weekend is when I would like to sleep. So um, it's... Don't don't. I mean, have kids. Don't don't have kids. So, uh. <laughs> I was say you may have to feel the, the the wrath of my missus saying, yeah. don't have kids." But uh. no, have kids. Absolutely. <laughs> I was talking to my brother about this because my brother has uh, a one year old now, mm. and uh, in terms of you know how you feel about children or what children mean and the decision to have kids or not have kids and what it does for you and you know, you can sort of weigh things about what experiences you, you gain, what you miss out on, but there are certain elements and some of it is only coming to me now with, as the father of a six year old to watch my child achieve things Mm. like very small things, but on her own is one of those feelings that I don't know how you get that from any other thing in life. You know, she's, she's doing gymnastics now and, and I, I watched her on the balance beam, you know, sort of on her toes, hands above her head, taking steps back and very 
concentrated, keeping her eyes up. And I'm just sitting there watching. I don't yeah. have to do anything. I'm just I'm watching her learn a task. And that's kind of an amazing feeling. I, I imagine it must be a tremendous sense of satisfaction, but but also pride as well, because like you said, this is obviously someone who you have a deep affection for and um you know you you've helped her through through life so far and and, and to see her accomplish something on her own yeah it, you, you must be very proud for sure yeah it's um I, I try not to take credit for anything <laughs> generally speaking no no Charles mate the I, I, I'm going to say this now right as someone who put on a Harry Potter party, <laughs> You are an awesome dad. Well, yeah, yeah. You uh, know, I, I, I try to do my part. I, I'm fairly certain on, on one of the first podcasts we did here, we agreed that at some stage I was going to walk around and follow your family, which is slightly creepy, but nevertheless. <laughs> and I was going to um, just constantly remind them, and and, and um, as if I'm on the air, just just walk around behind you and say, "What a dad!" <laughs> on a regular basis. I could. Uh, this is a service. Maybe you should be uh, opening <laughs> off. So uh, I, I did voicemails for for a little while. Actually, well, there you go. Some of the production crew um, in um, in Kansas City uh, got me to do their uh, their voicemails, which was hilarious. But nevertheless, um, I I would happily. Walk around and say, "What a dad, Stephen Ferguson is." No problem. <laughs> that would be amazing. That could be. This could be a good video idea for the future. <laughs> yes. I think so. Um, well, let's move on to uh, some some people we're not as proud of. Um, our team uh, just just in the immediate uh, aftermath of a very disappointing loss. I don't mean. I mean, generally speaking, I, I believe they're all like my children, and I, I love them all. Um, but let's look back at the the Quakes game uh, and give me your your perspective on it. Disappointing, obviously. Frustrating. Um, there's still an obvious need for a, a number six, in my opinion, Steve. There was too much of a gap in in, in between the lines, and um, far too often with the Quakes on the edge of, of the Minnesota United penalty area, or there or thereabouts, uh, relatively unchallenged. Um, you know, looking for, for for several passes and whatnot, and it it's. Um, you know, I, I thought I thought when Maximiano played against LAFC, I thought he he showed us glimpses of what he can do. Um, I know Adrian was was pleased with with what he did in the sixty plus minutes that he got. Once he's fit, once he's sharp, it wouldn't surprise me if he gets more minutes. Um, but it's still a, an obvious need for me, in my opinion. Um, aside from that, individual mistakes have got to be cut out. I, I have no problem saying, look, Francisco Calvo is is in a, a wretched run of form at the moment. It's it's the worst that a lot of us have, have seen him since he's come to Minnesota United. Um, you know, but the good thing about Calvo is that he, he knows, he understands, and, and, and I know he's devastated right now and he wants to get better. He needs to get better heading into a World Cup because if he, if he plays like this at a World Cup, he's got absolutely no chance. Um, but I know he apologised, uh, as did Jérôme Tisson, uh, over social media. Um, so there is an understanding that that players individually need to be better. And in my opinion as well, Steve, but with all due respect to San Jose Earthquakes, those are the types of games that you need to win. Now, fortunately, we've got several more of those types of games coming up at home. Mm -hmm. Not this coming weekend, right. but we'll moving get to forward, that well, but... you, you, you end up playing a couple of teams that will be in and around where, where Minnesota United will be, in my opinion, sort of... Uh, that fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth sort of spot looking to get into the playoffs and whatnot as there are an abundance of teams um, within the same realm. Mm -hmm. So disappointing to say the least, um, but we move on. Yeah, I uh, I wasn't going to go to Calvo right away, but it's something I definitely want to touch on. Um, 
I mean, I think he's obviously been struggling, but, you know, players go up and players go down. I think that overreacting to yep. some it's of those struggles. Form, yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it, and it's, and again, like, I think as Adrian was saying, there's, as he sort of repeated, it's, it's individual moments of yep. a lack of concentration yep. or, or effort or sort of having togetherness. It's, there's overall, I feel like the, obviously the quality of the players on the team overall is unmistakably better than it was last year. Sure. We're at a point now, though, where, you know, the results don't look all that different because of a lot of factors, um, you know, playing a lot of games in a short stretch of, of time, um, you know, getting guys in and out of the lineup, injuries. I mean, we can't ignore the f- – I mean, we obviously got started to get some people back, but there's still a lot of serious injuries, Finley and Molino and Cronin and guys who would be who'd be great in those roles. Um, you know, there's been talk about, uh, you know – moving Calvo out of the lineup and, or moving him to another position on the field and things like that. My personal feeling about that is, is given his departure for the world cup, mm-hmm. uh, you've got him for, you know, depending on exact timing, a game or two more changing anything right now doesn't seem to make sense to me mm-hmm. because even if you change it right now, it's going to change a lot again when he leaves. And then he's going to have to come back to some, to a team that's going to be, have done a lot without him, you know, there's, I think people underestimate the value of continuity Mm -hmm. um, and the extent to which you want to let guys work their way out of stuff. Um, And you want Calvo to get better, Mm -hmm. but you also want to give him the opportunity to get better. If you, if it's simply, I think people tend to look game to game so much like, well, we got to make this change for the next game. You're like, but this is your, this is your captain. This is a guy who you've signed for, you know, he's, he's signed for a couple more years. Now he extended his contract. He's going to be a major part of this team. Now, if, if eventually your decision is tactically, you know, we want to move him out to left back, that's it. We're going to play a back five, which is more like how he plays um, yeah, with which, Costa Rica, which, which won't happen. No, I, that's that's not I mean, that's just not how Adrian plays, you know. So I think to a certain extent you have to it can be tough for fans because they get impatient. It, you get and I feel it, too. You know, it's like as you're watching the game. You, you start to feel like, well, why isn't this different? Well, we need to change something. Mm-hmm. But I think that we underestimate the value overall of, of keeping a lineup in there and trying to get the guys to get their, play their own way out of this kind of experience. I think uh, into the day, Steve, it's, it's just simply not good enough from Francisco Calvo. This is a player who, as you mentioned, is the captain of our football club. This is a player who is supposed to be a leader both on and off the field. When you see your leader... Um, one for a better word, floundering, and, and having uh, moments of disappointment, um, there, there starts to be a question mark or two. Um, it, look, it's just a bad run of form. That, that's all it is. Francisco Calvo, we are not saying Francisco Calvo is a bad player because he's very good. Yeah, absolutely. The reason yeah. why he's won league titles in Costa Rica. There's a reason why he's a Costa Rican international. Um, who, let's not forget, got to the quarterfinals of the World Cup in 2014. So they're a good team as well. Um, I think um, it's, 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 it's going to be interesting heading into the, the next game against Kansas City because I, I, I understand your point of view there as well about, you, you know, that there is something to be said about continuity. But I also see it from the other side of well, as well uh, of what people are saying. Um, when you've got a a perfectly good centre-back um, awaiting an opportunity in Brent Coleman, mm-hmm. who is going to get that opportunity when Calvo goes to the World Cup. Sure. So why not start it now? Why not yeah. start preparing early? So yeah. I can see both sides of it. I really can. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that it's it's tough to know if Adrian makes that change, you know, if the decision is made to put 
Kalman in now. It's not necessarily means that it's a referendum on Calvo no, overall, no, no, no. right? I no. mean, it's it could be what exactly what you're saying, which is that we know we know Kalman's going to come in. I mean, most likely, you know, if for a lot of time while Calvo is away. This is just maybe that was the time to start getting that going. You yep. know, like it, it's it's, and I think that we don't get we don't get that perspective. Um, this is a coach's decision. There's a lot right. of things that go into making those decisions, and I think we often try to sort of re-engineer what the reasoning was mm-hmm. based on our own ideas. And I think that's not always a smart thing to do. So it's it's difficult. I mean, if if I'm Adrian. Um, I'm, I'm sitting there. I, I'll be honest with you. I don't know how much sleep Adrian's getting at the moment. With, <laughs> yeah, you know, because that is a decision that would constantly be on your minds. This is, you know, this isn't just um, you know a, a regular player in in bad form. This is your captain. This is a leader. This is a Costa Rican international. Um, in my opinion, um, you should probably look elsewhere and and push all that aside. Uh, because in my opinion, if someone's bad and they're in bad form, in my opinion, you should you should put them out of the team. Mm-hmm. The main issue with Calvo at the moment, I think, is confidence. So dropping him, what does that then do to his confidence? Right. You know, um, I think it's actually going to be a blessing in disguise when he goes to Costa Rica because a new footballing environment can sure. can help. Yeah, he'll be in a different locker room. Yeah, he won't necessarily be the leader as well. You know, he he, he is a. Um, you know, a, a natural in that sort of department, but you know, Costa Rica have got other players that are much more experienced and older and, and wiser. Um, so I, I think that the change of scenery will will do him well. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he went to the World Cup, had a good World Cup, came back as a completely different player. Sure, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, sometimes um, you need a reset. I mean, anybody in any situation, it's yeah. like, and he takes his leadership responsibilities very seriously. Yes, I mean, we know that, and so I think that. You know, if that's if that's weighing on him in some ways, maybe that he's and and again, it's like it's it's knowing who he is, and hoping that Adrian understands that, and that some players some players getting dropped that will respond by redoubling their efforts. Some players yep. will feel like a lot, that will bump them further down in confidence. So you you know you got to sort of trust the coach. I wanted to give uh, a shout out to Rasmus Schuler, who mm-hmm. uh, I thought played very well yep. um, against against the Quakes. I, I do I, I totally hear what you're saying about Maximiano, and I did appreciate seeing him in that sort of destroyer role. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think you're right that he can bring a lot there. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I I really I have I don't know if I've been on record, but I've sort of felt like. To me, Schuler has not – he's been good and steady, mm-hmm. but not sort of exemplary. Like he hasn't been a threat out there in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. But I feel that in the game against the Quakes, I really began to see some of the effect he, he was having on the game. And I thought he was doing a great job. I think the thing with Rasmus more than anything, Steve, is is he came back um, so fit and so ready to go because he came into this league last year and he admitted to us um, on the opening day Myself and Kindred e. St. Auburn sat down with him. We did an interview for 1500 ESPN, and um, he said, I, I wasn't ready. I didn't um, expect um, what what was uh, in front of me. Um, so I think he's come in now much more prepared. There have been one or two games where I think he's been slightly wayward, but you're right. For the most part, he's, he's put himself about. He's cut off the passing lanes very well. He's, he's done his job. Um I think Rasmus Schuler is a perfect player to play on the road in Major League Soccer because he breaks the play up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder moving forward, though, um, what will happen? Will, will, will it be Maximiano or will it be Schuler? I And look, maybe it'll be both of them. Yeah, You never know. Maybe it'll be both and then you give the attacking quartet the, the time and, and space to, to go. I don't know. 
Um, I, you know, Ibsen's 34. You can't expect him to play every single game now. Sure. Um, particularly in that role that he's in. But, you know, um, it, it's going to be interesting, Steve, no, no doubt about it. Um, but I think, um, I think Maximiano, from the brief glimpse that we got of him moving forwards, I, I think he... Um, I think he could be the answer, and, and let's hope he is because he's 23. Yeah. So if he's on loan, obviously from Fluminense, um, if they decide to purchase him properly outright, and he becomes a, a Minnesota United player, then I think he can be at this football club for the next 10 years sure. if he wants to be. Yeah. You know, I, I can see because he's at that age and playing in that position that he does play. You can go a little bit longer in in that um, in that position, particularly if you if you read the game as well as uh, as you're supposed to as well. So, right. um, look, they, they, these are all um, good things for Minnesota United. You know, we're, we're talking about players that are, are coming in and, and helping the team, and, and we've got several that in that position that that Adrian Heath's going to have to make a decision over over the next couple of uh, couple of weeks. I think not. We're not talking months anymore. We're talking weeks. And, yeah. You know, I think. Um, the LAFC game was was an example of of how important it is to have good depth on your roster, and mm-hmm. I don't think Minnesota United could have done that last year. Right. This right. year, though, you know they've 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 made some moves. They've brought in some players that in, in positions that were needed, some depth that was needed. So, I think. Um, I think moving forward, obviously, Adrian Heath's got a decision to make, and uh, I, I'm intrigued to see which way he goes about it. Yeah, there are worse things than having a lot of options that you have yeah. to make make a decision about, right? Absolutely. So, before we move on, though, Steve, just yeah. come back to Calvo quickly. With with the the second goal that San Jose scored, I, I saw over the weekend a load of people on social media absolutely crucifying him, and and look, I mean, quite rightly so. But the one thing I will say about Calvo here is that it's one of those where what happens happens. So the ball comes across and he tries to, to get out of the way because he doesn't want to concede a corner. It's one of those that when the ball comes across and the opposition scores, people will say, why didn't you try and try and stop the, uh, the cross coming in to concede a corner? But if he puts his leg in front of it and concedes a corner, so many people will then say, right, well, why didn't you just move out of the way and prevent the corner? So it's a lose-lose situation <laughs> there, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I do feel for Francisco Calvo there yeah. because he was put in awkward spots. And I don't think that awkward spot would have occurred had there have been a proper holding midfielder there. Because remember where the ball came from as sure. well. Yeah. So yeah. In, in my opinion, I, I I don't think that happens if there's a proper number six there for Minnesota United. Yeah. I mean, it was also a, you know a heck of a pass by Wanda. Oh, it's gorgeous. You yeah. know that like, you know. He, I mean, obviously, Wando is a guy who makes a lot out of nothing, right? Yep. That's sort of what he's made his career doing. But, I mean, he's right on the end line, you know? And it's like a sharp angle, and he gets it right over the top. I mean, it's – I mean, it, it – it was a mistake. It's not, I'm not saying it's a mistake, but it's like I don't think it's as disastrous um, as a lot of people are making it out to be mm-hmm. for sure. But um, let's let's move on to talk a little bit about SKC. Now, you're a person who has spent a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, in uh, Kansas City as uh, a former member of the Sporting KC organization. Uh, a little perspective just on the organization itself. Um, very, very ambitious. I, I don't know if you've seen the the training grounds, which they now share with the U.S. national team. Okay. Um, I've only seen um, videos and and pictures and whatnot and have spoken to a couple of people down there who who I'm still close with, and they all said it's absolutely stunning. Um, No one ever thought you would have a training facility like that in Major League Soccer, and 
we're fortunate now that there's a lot of very good facilities. And I was talking to the commissioner about this when, when he was in town a couple of weeks ago, and he made a very good point, the fact that, you know, we used to have to build these glorious stadiums. Now that's just part of the course. Now right. everyone's saying, right, well, we've got to make our training facilities better, you know? So yeah. um, it's uh, apparently it's gorgeous. And, and, and I mean, as it should be, because it's shared with the US national team as well. So uh, I'm a big fan, big believer of Peter Vermees. Mm-hmm. Um, I may get in a bit of trouble for saying this, but in, in my opinion, <laughs> if US soccer are determined to stay within Major League Soccer and they want an American coach... For me, there is no one more qualified, there is no one more obvious than Peter Vermees to be the next national team manager. Um, get along with, with him, I had a very good relationship with him and Kerry Zavagnin and Zoran Savic, his assistant coaches. The organisation, it was very strange, Steve. When I first went there in 2011, we had the first, I think it was 10 or 11 games on the road because the stadium was being built. The team had just rebranded to Sporting KC, there were the Wizards before. Right. And I, I just remember, and no one seemed to know anything about them. No one seemed to to have heard of them or what they were about. And I remember thinking to myself, my word, what have I got myself into here? <laughs> um, but as soon as the stadium hit, everyone knew about them. The whole community embraced it. Mm-hmm. Winning helps. They got to the playoffs that year. Right. And then it just gradually grew. 2012, the Open Cup victory was was phenomenal. That helped them go another step up the ladder. And then they went five or six steps up when they won MLS Cup in 2013. And and that, for me, Steve, was was when everything changed with that franchise because it, it was as relevant as anything else. Um, you know, the players couldn't couldn't go out. The players literally would get mobbed walking mm-hmm. around Kansas City. And, um, you know, it, it, was, it was really, really intriguing. It's... Um, Kansas City is a place that's very dear to my heart. I, I, I met my fiance there and all of her family are still there and, and I, go, I go back from time to time. Um, it, it's a place that's always going to be uh, ingrained in me for sure. Um, I had a tremendous four years there um, and, and didn't want it to end, but such is this industry from time to time. And they are an organisation that clearly knows what they want. Mm-hmm. They are run by... Um, a group of, of businessmen who, who know what they want. They are, in my opinion, they are what a lot of teams should try to be in Major League Soccer. Which Adrian Heath has said that before, I Several think, talking times. about this is the kind of sort of way we should aspire to run yes, on a team. absolutely. To, to a certain degree, I agree. Um, they're a tremendous team. Peter Vermees has had them playing this type of football free-flowing, not too dissimilar to Adrian Heath's system, um, more of a 4-3-3 than a 4-2-3-1. Um, but the difference is is that Peter Vermees has been doing this now. This is his, uh, I think it's his 10th year as, mm-hmm. as either manager or, or GM of Sporting KC. Um, and uh, it, it's clearly his club. It's, yeah. it's his, and this is what he wants to do. Uh, and if you have an issue with that, well, you're out the door. Yeah. So... I love the way that they play the game um, and what Pete has done over the last couple of years has been uh, he, he has scouted magnificently and he always seems to be able to bring in players that can play in his system. Mm-hmm. They were they were a bit unfortunate uh, over the last couple of weeks losing Felipe Gutierrez, uh, right. their Chile international designated player uh, who, who ran the show 
Um, from what I he saw, looks he, he was unbelievable. On, especially, yeah. But there's, you know, the one thing I love about them as well is they they know what they are. They're not a New York City FC. They're not a, a LA Galaxy or Red Bulls or anything like that. You know, they they and I say that with all due respect, but they they know what they are. They're not going to attract Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Sure. Right, the what market's gonna, a lot different. What yeah. they're going to do is they're going to go through their academy. And they've had an abundance of homegrown players coming through, which they've then sold on and made a profit on. And 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 that sort of is the angle that they're taking. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they, they just signed a, a 15-year-old to uh, to a first-team pro contract. Yeah. Where they also get tremendous help is with their USL affiliates, Swope Park Rangers as well. And they can loan players back and forth. And, sure. you know, they, they get a lot of good game time as well um, in, in that environment, which is good. So, yeah. look, I... I um, I will always um, say good things about that city, those fans, uh, the coaches, players, and whatnot. Um, I, I, you know, had a tremendous time there, as I said, and very much looking forward to to seeing what they bring on on Sunday. Yeah, the. Um it seems it seems to me that they and Vermees has done a great job this season in particular because they struggled early on um, and then has sort of righted the ship back to what you expect from from Sporting KC and look very dangerous. It's going to be a very it's going to be a very tough it's, match it's to go the, in there. Look, I mean, <laughs> this league just doesn't get any easier, does it? You know, yeah. after the loss to LAFC and then San Jose, we now face the team at the top of the standings. And they're up there for a reason. Yeah. Uh, but I just love the way that they've done it, Steve, as I was insinuating earlier on. They're not like Atlanta, who have gone and spent, you know, 10 million or whatever it was on Miguel Almiron. You know, they've they've gone and done it the right way and they've scouted superbly. And someone like Johnny Russell, I mean, what what a fantastic piece of business that was. Oh, man, yeah. You know, and, he, and he's taken to MLS like a duck to water. Yeah. Um, but on the other side of, of the three, you know, they've got Daniel Shallowing, a player who's come through their academy and, you know, um, was an exchange student um, back in the day and everything. You know, he's... I just love the way that Sporting KC operate on the field. I think they're fantastic. Um, and as I said, I will always say positive things about Peter Vermees and his system and his coaching staff and, and the way they go about. I, mm-hmm. I, I think they're fabulous. Yeah, speaking of, Russell has been, he's killed it for me in fantasy a couple of weeks. Really? Uh, I wanted to touch on on fantasy a little bit uh, since I think it's something we talked about early on uh, and just to check in again. So how are you doing in the fantasy league? I'm a terrible fantasy <laughs> player, Steve. I, I I haven't checked it since like week two. Or something. I can tell based on who's in your lineup. I so, actually, oh really? So, yeah. I, uh, I, <laughs> currently, you're currently you're eleventh. Uh, How just, many people are in our league? I think ten. No, I'm. Uh, <laughs> there's quite a few. You're about halfway up the standings. Okay. So there's some people who never even checked in their right. on their lineup, so they have nobody in there. But um, but you know it's. It's a process. Uh, mm-hmm. I wanted to share some of the things that I have learned oh, go on, about please. fantasy because I've gotten a little more into it. So, mm-hmm. first of all, the scoring still makes no sense to me. <laughs> if you go and look at, you know, like it, it, when I played fantasy football, it was like, okay, the, a touchdown is worth six points, an extra point is worth a point after that. You know, it was pretty standard. Looking at the, the sort of scoring for MLS fantasy, you get a point just for playing, two points for playing at least 60 minutes, uh, you lose two points for an own goal. Uh, you get a point if it's an own goal assist. So I guess if you hit it into somebody from the other team who then puts it in, that's a point. That's you get a bizarre. point for every three saves for goalkeepers. So there's a ton of stuff. So there's like no way to know exactly who's who's going to get points in any given week. Um, but I've, I've come up with a couple tips for anybody who's listening. First of all, last week we had um, – a lot of teams that play two games in a week, and you yes. always play the guys who play mm-hmm. two games a week. Like, don't even look at guys who no. play one game. So, and this was a good example because 
uh, Iguain was killing me after the first game he played because he got one point. He just played, I guess, mm-hmm. at the last minute and didn't do anything. But then he got 12 points in his second game. So he ended up with 13 points, which is pretty good. Um, I also learned about some fancy techniques that I want to share with you. Like, Please the, do. Like the keeperoo. I don't know where these names come from, but <laughs> I learned about them on MLSFantasyBoss.com. So check out that website. But uh, the keeperoo is pretty easy, and it's it's kind of a fun one because it gives you a little more uh, investment in the games as they go on. You get two keepers, right? There's your starter, and there's your guy on the bench. Yep. You put in uh, the, the guy who's on the bench is going to play early. So you want him to, you know, you look for who's going to – they're both good keepers, you know. Mm-hmm. They're both guys who could start. But the guy on the bench is the one who's going to play early. And if he plays well, if he gets you a bunch of points, nine, ten points, something like that, you switch out the guy who's the starter for somebody, a goal, a cheap goalkeeper who, who won't play. Okay. So then you save a little money. You could invest it back into your team later on. But then that guy just goes into the from the bench automatically. Okay. If the guy on the bench doesn't play well, then you just leave your starter in, and then he hopefully plays better later on. So it's a sort of – it's a little way to game the system. Okay. Then you get into the really complicated double switcheroo. Oh. <laughs> I'm impressed that they have names for these things. Uh, yeah, I, I, that website you mentioned, I didn't even know existed. I was so, so confused. Let me tell you, I was doing, I was reading about this, and I was sitting there. I sit next to my good friend TJ Galenchin, who knows a lot about soccer, um, and we were discussing how this all works, and I'm reading the paragraphs about the double switcheroo to him, and he's has this look on his face like, I have no idea how this works, <laughs> but, but it actually worked out for me. So basically, they changed MLS Fantasy this year so that your bench players go in automatically if your starters don't play. Sure. Uh, you don't have to make the decision about when you put guys in. So what I've started doing is running out five defenders, two of whom will not play, okay. and then three midfielders and two forwards. And then on the bench, that gives you two midfielders and a forward. And those, two of those three guys, whoever has the best scores, the two best players off the bench will go in for those two defenders automatically. Hmm. So this way you can have, like, good midfielders on the bench and a good forward on the bench or maybe a guy. Maybe he goes off. I had Romo Kyoto, like, two weeks ago. Okay. He's relatively cheap. And he had a good game, so he went in because one of the other midfielders didn't. Huh. And this is, like, I, I feel like I, 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 got, I won the week in, in our league. I had the, I got, so I feel like the double switcheroo and the keeperoo are good things to to consider for those of you out there who are playing fantasy. The switcheroo and the keeperoo. Yeah. Okay. I'll, Plus, I'll you get to, to learn look. these. You get to learn these fun terms. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to have a look at that because uh, yeah, I have been absolutely diabolical so far. <laughs> Just um, I was the one who, who got everyone to do this and say, yeah, you know, let's do this fantasy league and everything. Can I, I know? I can thank terrible. you for getting me into it. It's so. it, it's I'm, I'm I am the worst fantasy player ever. I am that guy, as I said, who was really up for it, telling everyone to get involved, and I've just completely, completely walked away from it. So yeah. I've got to get back in. It's still early. You, I mean, you, you're only like 200 points behind me total. So you know, you never know what could happen. <laughs> I could forget to do. I could forget to put anybody in. in mate, week, after so. what you just explained to me, there's no way you're forgetting every week. I don't know. No I mean, I don't know. It's like if I, if I have. I'm going to be going on vacation some week coming up, and I'll probably totally forget to do that. So I'm not going to be up in a cabin in northern Minnesota, like filling out my. I think you will, though. You think? <laughs> <laughs> now that they added it to the app, that's the other thing. Is like the MLS app they just updated, mm-hmm. uh, and it used to be that there was no fantasy on the app, and I found that having fantasy on the app now enables it sort of. I mean, enable in the in the bad way of an enabler. Like I look at it now, and I look at my lineup every once in a while, and I check my scores, and I'm like, I could move this guy in. So, 
the new MLS app is definitely uh, good for stoking that addiction to things like that. So it's interesting. I, I and, and obviously you can get the new MLS app by uh, going onto the website and I think it's mlssoccer.com slash mobile. I think yeah, or mobile as you guys say, or your app store, or the app store. Yeah, um, I, I, I like it a lot. It's smooth. It, yeah, it looks slick. It does um, look really good. I like it a lot. So uh, you know, yeah, I would highly recommend people do that. And, and it's got highlights and you know. Uh, interviews and fantasy everything you need yeah the highlights are really nice like you can go to a game and if you just want to see like if you're following fantasy you want to know if your guy scored right you can just go right to the the game and then the first thing that you see are is a highlight and you can just flip through the goals so far and so you'll see who scored and a little clip of it if you want to watch yes, it so yes. um yeah it's a very slick app i'm i'm planning on uh, i'm sort of i'm working on a story uh which is going to be looking at uh getting into the game beyond your own team and the best way to do that and sort of fantasy versus playing FIFA is sort of a way to do those two things because I found that as I've gotten into sports, as I've gotten into sort of different sports, one of the best ways to uh, get outside of just following the team that is in your local market or, you know, whoever you see all the time Mm -hmm. is to do something like fantasy or to play FIFA where you go in and you learn about guys. If you're playing FIFA, you get to play as different guys. You sort of find out what they're, what they're like. You can kind of become a fan of some guy and then he, he comes to town with another team. It's, it's fun to go see him or fantasy. You sort of learn who's good on different teams. Um, There's downsides to it too that I also want to talk about, which is sort of the commodification of of people who are actual human beings and, and what you miss out on if all you do is play fantasy and FIFA. But Right, right. But, it, and this is a big, big topic for me, Steve, because the, the one issue I have as an MLS commentator is it seems though a lot of fan bases, they, they just follow their team, which is great. Sure. That's brilliant. And I'm so happy that we have now such vibrant and vibrant fan bases um, within this league. But the one thing which I always get slightly frustrated with is, um, you know, I want to talk to somebody about, did you watch the Friday night game between Vancouver and Wales Salt Lake? Right. Or, you know, or, so for example, yesterday, I had the best day ever yesterday. I sat down and watched Portland, Seattle, Orlando, Atlanta, and then LAFC, New York City FC. It was a soccer yeah. fest, it yeah. was brilliant. How do we get to that stage where every single MLS fan is doing the same? Right. Now, I understand three games in a day is a lot, and people have got lives, children, whatever. I understand that. But just simply watching other teams and embracing your league Mm -hmm. as opposed to just your team, Mm -hmm. that's the, for me, this is where the next step is to this league growing, um, is we, we need to find a way to engage, for people to engage. Uh, other teams and understands uh, other games and the importance of them. Um, right. Because in my opinion, and, and I hear this all the time, that MLS is not the Premier League or, or La Liga or whatever. I know I understand that. But that doesn't mean it's a bad league. If you want this league to be anywhere near those kind of standards, and I'm talking to you, the fans now, if you want this league to be anywhere near that sort of standard, you have to watch it on television mm-hmm. and you have to go to the games because what that does, it creates a really nice product. What that does then is it makes uh, television broadcasters think, I want that on my network, whatever the network is. That means, hopefully, a tremendous amount of money going into the league, mm-hmm. which then means, hopefully, again, money available for superstar players money available for academies, which then means 
a better Major League Soccer. So it's all down to the fans. If you want this league to be anywhere near the top leagues in the world, which mm -hmm. it's getting there, but if you want it to compete at the very top end of the game, you have to go to the games. You have to watch on television. It's as simple as that. Yeah. When I, when I covered uh, the NBA, I wrote for a blog called Harvard Paroxysm, uh, which is now defunct. But uh, I'm still in an email thread with a bunch of people who were uh, part of that, some of whom are still writing about basketball, some of whom are not. Um, but they talked, They touched on MLS a little bit, sort of uh, sort of glanced against it. Mm. And a lot of them who don't really follow it sort of, you know, some of them were saying it's it's still sort of a local league. Like if you, if you have a team in your market, you might follow it, but it's sure. not part of the national sports conversation, yep. which I think is accurate. I mean, yep, I think I that, that, and I think there's nothing wrong with that. I think that actually growing from the grassroots, you can't really force the national conversation. You know, you sort of have to let it grow from the grassroots and then build through things like TV deals and a lot of what you're talking about. And then fans, again, supporting it. But I think it is, I think it is right now a local league, which isn't a terrible thing. I think it's kind of fun that, you know, you have this, you know, you have a team, there's sort of an indie rock appeal to mm. MLS. It's like, you know, people aren't up on it. You know, it's, right. it's something that you can sort of be a fan of and then you get to talk about it and tell other people about it. Um, and I, I think it's it, it's going to get there, um, you know, to that point where it becomes part of the national conversation. But it's just going to take time. It's going to take, the, you know, quality of play. It'll take, like you're saying, academies growing and and signing big names. I think even, even for me, I don't always check in on all the games. I don't always get to watch all the games. I am one of those people with kids and things like that. Sure. So, um, but I definitely remember, you know, in that, in that LAFC LA galaxy game, like the, the El Trafico, as they were calling mm -hmm. it, I was, I was like, I got to watch this, yep. you know, I, not just for Zlatan, but because LAFC is compelling and, you know, it, there are matchups that I think, ooh, I want to see that matchup, and that's that's the kind of thing that has to happen because that's what happens with a, a you know a sport like the NBA where mm -hmm. somebody might not follow it all the time, but they're like, oh, I got to watch this Cavs Celts sure. you know series because of the storylines yep. or because of the personalities and things like that. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, that stuff will come, but it, it is it's going to take time. Well, this is the the thing is uh, as well, and, and I don't know if we had planned to talk about this too, but the, it comes down to this whole Wayne Rooney thing potentially coming into MLS. You know, you, uh, I wasn't going to talk about it, but now we do. Well, well but you just mentioned you know. The, the Cavs and, and Celtics and whatnot. And look, I, you, you know, I, I don't follow any other sport, really. I, I'm, I'm terrible from that regard. Um, but I would watch that game because of LeBron. Right. I would watch sure. that game, yeah. you know. And now it, it, it's, it's intriguing to me that these sort of players are coming over here um, still with a lot left in the tank. I honestly believe that people who didn't watch MLS before, who didn't watch DC United, if this deal goes through people will now be will be much more inclined to watch DC United because of Wayne Rooney. Sure. And and that's okay. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. So yeah. this isn't a retirement league. This you know there's a separate conversation for another day, but this this is a good move in my opinion because we all know what what DC United are trying to do here and this in my opinion is is a good move for them. Yeah. This is a, this isn't exactly a hot take, but I think that it the retirement league thing to me just to touch on it briefly, I think that when you had, um, you know, Beckham coming over and things like that, and people would tune in to see Beckham, mm -hmm. uh, that's great. But there wasn't, you know, the 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 tail end of of oh, I, I tuned in to watch Beckham and the soccer was great. Sure, it was like I tuned in to watch Beckham. Great, I right. watched Beckham. I think that this mix that we have right now of some players who are later in their careers but are big names 
coming over, guys like Zlatan and, mm-hmm. and presumably Rooney pending the yep. you know the yep. deal happening. Uh, as that stuff happens, the thing is that we also have this you know this influx of South American talent. Yes, and absolutely. I think that it, the combination of those things can be potent. It doesn't have to be like okay, well we never have you know older stars who come over, mm-hmm. but if people tune in to see you know Rooney, they tune they you know turn on DC United and they're playing Atlanta United, and it's like oh Almiron, man, this guy's amazing. you know so. I think that if you have the hooks, but then you also have the hooks get in there, and then you see good soccer, which I think is going to happen a lot more. I think that that's that's a way that sure older players are coming over, but that's one of the things that distinguishes it from being a retirement league. Yeah, and look, a couple of things here. I, I the one thing I'll say about these players coming over at a certain age, the dip, the main difference for me now, Steve, is is five six years ago they were coming over to end their career here. Right now, when they come over at a certain age. They can still play. They can still play in Europe. You're telling me there are teams around Europe that wouldn't take Zlatan Ibrahimovic, that right. wouldn't take Wayne yeah. Rooney. Yeah. You know, so these players can still play. Whereas I think five, six, seven years ago, that that wasn't the case. They were probably done. Right. So that's an improvement in itself. That that shows that this league is attracting players much earlier now. Another player, Bastian Schweinsteiger. Like, there's so many people that would take him in a heartbeat. You know. Sure. Um, the other thing as well that you touched on there, and I completely agree. From a worldwide standpoint, signing players that we've just mentioned will always make headlines. But sometimes across the world, that's the only headlines that people are seeing. They're not seeing Atlanta signing Miguel Almiron. Mm -hmm. They're not seeing Minnesota United signing Darwin Quintero. They're not seeing those types of signings because they don't make big global worldwide headlines because they don't have the, the resume that those other players do that I mentioned. That's okay. That's fine. But people need to realize that there are, as you mentioned, an influx of South Americans, an influx of players coming across from Europe that are all very, very good players. Mm-hmm. This is a really good league right now, and it gets nowhere near the credit it deserves. Yeah. That's a good place to end. That <laughs> <laughs> feels good. So uh, thanks for joining us for what we're going to call the 11th Sound of the Loons podcast. I know that's weird. It feels like we're making a new yeah, history I, I, here. So. Yeah, okay. That's fine. No, that's okay. Yeah. All right. So our next match is on Saturday, May 20th against Sporting KC, which we talked about. That's here at home at TCF Bank Stadium. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes if you could and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entress. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>